those who are working for him an eternal weight of glory. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, Paul said that he focused his mind on eternal things. He said, we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. The Greek word skopeo, as translated look, means to aim at or focus one's attention on it. None of the means for renewing the inner man that we've discussed previously in the last podcast are automatic. There are many believers, including myself, who have at times become weary and lost heart because they were focusing their attention on the wrong things. We may know the truths of the scripture, but it is quite another thing to focus our minds on them continuously. Occasional focus, like on Sunday mornings or Wednesday evenings, is not enough for the rest of the week. Our thoughts will be elsewhere, and thus we will lose heart if we don't really focus on eternal things. Paul knew the importance of right thinking. He knew the importance of continually thinking rightly, which means to be thinking biblically. He knew the importance of thinking rightly about everything, the past, the present, and the future. And he knew that right thinking doesn't automatically happen, but it is the result of disciplining the mind to think about the right things. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, we have one of many passages in which Paul illustrates how he had disciplined, disciplined his mind to think. Not, he says, that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on, present tense, that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and marching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now notice all the present tense words in these verses. He said he presses on. He reaches forward. He presses onward. Paul didn't have these things happening occasionally, but he had to do it every day. He pressed on. He reached forward. He did it day by day or day after day. Those are his words. The result is, as he focused properly day after day, continuously, he was steadfast in his faith because he had hope in what was yet to come. Hope is a critical, though often overlooked, part of the Christian life. 
and we will consider that in more depth in the future. In summary, losing heart is a result of unbiblical thinking because Paul disciplined his mind to dwell on the right things, his important ministry, God's great mercy toward him, the eternal purpose for the problems that he was experiencing. He disciplined his mind to think about his future prospects. Consequently, he did not experience burnout. He talked to himself, as he instructed us to do, about the things which were true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good repute, things that were excellent and worthy of praise, as he says that we should do in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. In reality, we talk to ourselves all the time. Some of us do it quietly so that others cannot hear. And some of us do it out loud. Sometimes it's a very conscious act. And sometimes we are hardly even aware of what we're doing. But whether we realize it or not, it remains constant because that is the way our minds were designed. The Bible refers to this internal dialogue in many places. In Psalm 14 and verse 1, the Bible says, the Lord has, the fool has said in his heart. That's what God says. If you are constantly saying the wrong things in your heart, you're a fool. And what is the fool saying? He's saying there is no God. Psalm 15 and verse 2 says, he who walks with integrity and works righteousness, and speaks truth in his heart. The Bible addresses the subject of our internal dialogue for two reasons. One, it reveals the state of our inner man. And two, it determines the state of our outer man. In other words, if you can identify what your internal dialogue is, what your continuously thinking, what are your thoughts? You'll know exactly whether or not you're going to be discouraged, downhearted, or weary. Or if you're thinking properly, and the inner man, the outer man, the way that we live, the way we go through life, will be also affected by thinking biblical thoughts. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says, Watch your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. And Psalm 19 and verse 14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. A.W. Tozer wisely noted on the basis of this truth that we've been talking about in terms of what we meditate on, what's going on in our minds. He said, anyone who wishes to check his true spiritual condition may do so by noting what his voluntary thoughts 
have been over hours during the day. Truly an honest record of the natural wanderings of our mind on any given day are a good indication of the state of our inner man and they affect our outer man, the way we process life, the way we feel, the way we act. Jesus taught this very thing in Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 and 35. He said, For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good. And the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. He also said, That which proceeds out of the man... That is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things, said Jesus proceed from within and defile a man, as found in Mark chapter 7, verses 20 and 23 through 23. In other words, holiness and unholiness begin in the inner man. In his book, The Pursuit of Holiness, Jerry Bridges writes, It's time for us as Christians to face up to our responsibility for holiness. Too often we say that we are defeated by this and some other sin. No, we're not defeated. We are simply disobedient. It might be well if we stopped using the terms victory and defeat to describe our progress in holiness. Rather, we should use the terms obedience and disobedience. We should, I'm saying, recognize that when we are defeated by sin, we are unconsciously slipping out of our responsibility if we say it happened unconsciously. No, it happened under our responsibility. We were not thinking properly and we slipped out from other our responsibility and wanted to say it just happened to us. Well, it didn't just happen to us. It happened to us because we were being disobedient in what we were thinking about, what we were focusing our mind on. We were forgetting that the heart, the inside, the control center of us, includes our thoughts. And as a result of that, we are defeated. We are defeated because of our wrong thinking. I'm saying something outside of me has defeated me, but that's not true. When I say I'm disobedient, 
That places the responsibility for my sin squarely on me. We may in fact be defeated, but the reason we're defeated is because we've chosen to disobey in terms of what we think about. We've chosen to entertain lustful thoughts, to harbor resentment, or to shade the truth a little. But we need to brace up ourselves, brace ourselves up, and to realize that we are responsible for our thoughts, for our attitudes, as well as for our actions. We need to reckon on the fact that we died to sin's reign when we came to Christ, and that it's no longer any have any dominion over us. Sin is not to have dominion over us. That Christ has become united to us, and with the risen Christ united to us, with all of his power, he's given us the Holy Spirit to work in us, and so it's only as we accept our responsibility and appropriate God's promises and God's provisions that will make any progress in our pursuit of holiness. What begins in our minds is worked out in our actions. Jesus taught that if our hearts and minds are set on good things, biblical things, biblical truths, then our actions will be good. If they're set on evil things, our minds, our thoughts, our actions will be evil. Any believer who is serious about avoiding burnout must take control of his thoughts and train the mind to think biblically. Feelings, intuition, personal desires, the opinions of others, none of these things are trustworthy. You can't depend upon them unless they reflect the truth of the Word of God. In reality, feelings simply reflect the thoughts of the mind. The only way to know that the thoughts of our minds are right is to continually fill our minds with God's words so that we can accurately evaluate our feelings, our circumstances, and the judgments of others. Though the world teaches us to listen to our hearts, as believers we need to talk to our hearts. We need to do as Paul did. He said, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything is worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Our commitment to biblical self-talk is the key that will determine whether or not we experience burnout. Any person who continuously thinks on the things that 
Paul's mind dwelt on excellent, lovely, true, those things which are in accordance with the word of God will never experience spiritual burnout with its attendant consequences of instability, inconsistency, apathy, complacency, lethargy, and dryness. The flame of devotion and excitement can be maintained. And if it's been lost, rekindled by the strategies for renewal of the inner man, which were used by the Apostle Paul. We can be assured of this both by the promise of God and by the example of Paul's life. We don't have to lose heart. God has given us the solution to this heart problem. He has for every heart problem that we ever face given us the solution. And the solution is to make sure that we're thinking rightly and thinking in accordance with the truth of God's word, thinking in keeping with the teaching of Philippians 4.8, which says we're to have our minds dwell on the things that are true, the things that are excellent, the things that are lovely, the things that are worthy of praise. And all of those words, of course, are describing what God teaches in his word. We're to think on the word of God. We're to have our meditation, as the psalmist said, on the word of God, to memorize scripture and then to pull the scripture up in our minds, to go over it, to think about what it means, to think about how it applies to us. Paul said, I would have despaired, but I believed in the goodness of God and the land of the living. Therefore, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. That's the teaching of Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. And may God help us to think properly. If we think properly, if we discipline our minds to think biblically, then we will also have emotions that think and feel biblically, and our actions will be in accordance with what we're thinking. Now, here are some application questions for you as we bring this particular podcast to a conclusion. Here they are. As we encounter hardship and difficulties in our lives, what are some of the things we can know for sure that will help us to prevent spiritual burnout? Another question. Why did Peter say that if we suffer for the sake of righteousness, we are blessed? We talked about that in this podcast. Remember what we said. It's based on Peter's instruction for us to suffer if we suffer for the sake of righteousness. And if we do that, we are blessed. Why did Paul say in Colossians 1 verse 24 that he rejoiced in his sufferings? 
if he wasn't a masochist, why did he say that? We discussed that in this podcast. Another question. What does it mean to suffer for Jesus' sake? And why should we consider suffering for Jesus' sake a blessing? Think about all the reasons why that would be a blessing. We talked about those some of those things in this podcast. Another question, why did Paul characterize his lengthy sufferings to be light and momentary? That's how he described them. He said they were light and momentary in comparison with the eternal weight of glory. And then another question, what is meant by the statement, we talk to ourselves all the time? How do we do that? How do we talk to ourselves all the time? What's happening in our minds? Where do our thoughts go? What are we really thinking about so much of the time? And then another question, why is it that what we think is so important? This chapter gave two reasons why what we think is tremendously important. Try to recall those two reasons. If you need a pause at this point and to recall some of the things that were said in this podcast, then do it now. And I will, in a very short period of time, give you some other things to uh, think about that will make this particular podcast a blessing to you. All right, here's another one of the things that I want you to think about. Summarize the meaning and gist of Jerry Bridges' statement, which I quoted in this chapter. What did Jerry Bridges say about what we think about and why it's so important? And then another question to think about. What is meant by listening to our hearts as opposed to talking to our hearts? We said we often listen to our hearts and then we said we should talk to our hearts. What's the difference? And then another question. Do you regularly reflect on the truths that are presented in this chapter about the importance of what we think about? thinking biblically, thinking in terms of uh, the future for us as believers. And then another question, as you think about the fact that God has a good purpose for all the hardships we experience, and as you focus on the wonderful future that is ahead for every Christian, Review what the Bible says about our future. What is our future? What will we experience in the future? And as you think about those things, what does thinking about these things do for your inner man, for your thoughts, for your feelings? And then make a list 
of as many of the wonderful blessings that we as Christians will experience in the future that can help make any affliction we experience seem light and momentary by comparison. Make a list of what God promises that we will have in the future. Look it up in the scripture about heaven. Look about fellowship with Christ. Consider what God promises to us as believers. And then think about how remembering those things, focusing on those things can help to make the difficulties that we experience in life appear to be light and momentary by comparison. And then another question. How can the information presented in this chapter about preventing spiritual burnout be of practical help in your own life and in your ministry to other people? Make this very practical. How can what we've discussed in this podcast be of help to you and then assist you in your ministry to other people as well? Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of the great promises that we have in the Word of God. We thank you for all of the great truths. As Philippians 4.8 says, the things that are excellent the things that are worthy of praise, the things that are lovely, the things that are true. Oh God, help us to devote ourselves to thinking upon the things that are true and lovely and excellent, worthy of praise, that are given in the word of God rather than to allow our minds to run wherever they might want to go. Help us to discipline ourselves Uh, think biblically, and then to experience the result of that in our actions as well as in our feelings. Lord, we need your help to do that. It will be so important for us. It will be so important for our ministry. It will be so important for our testimony to other people as well. And Lord, if we're parents, the way we think will influence the way we feel the way we act, and our children will pick up on that as well. So, Lord, help us to realize that the things that we experience in this present life that are not entirely pleasant, they are the things which are going to pass away. And the things that you have promised in your word are eternal, and they are a weight of glory in comparison to the things that we experience now. Help us to think biblically, to let our minds focus on the things that are above and not on things that are the earth. As Paul says in Colossians 3, that we should devote our minds to thinking on the things of above, that are above and not on things that are of the earth of all that we have in Christ, the forgiveness of sins, the relationship with you, a purpose for living and a real important ministry that you've given to us. 
Lord, help us to be excited about that and to think biblically and therefore to live biblically and to feel biblically as well. We need your help to do that. We thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit if we're Christians, that he lives in us to help us. So Holy Spirit, we ask for your help and thank you that you promised to help us. You said that if we ask anything in the name of Jesus, you would hear us. And so we ask for your help in the name of Jesus. Come and help us that we might feel the way we should feel and live the way we should live and be a testimony to others around us of how blessed we are to be your children. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.